Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Yes, today, <clears throat> talking about low back pain and the pelvis. I know it sounds kind of boring, but, but let's look at this because there's a lot of, um, well, there is an actual logical explanation for uh, diseases, uh, pathologies, problems. And in what's wild, though, is that most people discount it. Like, if you know that you have low back pain or pain occasionally or when you sit and you stand up and you have that, that hip pain or something, uh, in crazy, stupid world, you take a drug to discount it. But let's look at your structure because your spine is a real great balance between flexibility and protection. And when you think your central nervous system is so important, it's the only system encased in solid bone. And that central nervous system, which is the brain and spinal cord, controls and coordinates every function of the body. So you need to have flexibility and, and protection. <clears throat> now, when we look at the pelvis, this is what your whole body sits on. <clears throat> now, what's unique about the pelvis is there's no muscle that crosses the back half of it. That's right. There's no muscle that crosses the posterior aspect or back half of the pelvis joint. So it's really a perfect joint. The problem is, what, what do we do? We're sitting down, which is what we're, their pelvis is not designed for. We're sitting down for hours. Also standing. And what about um, horseback riding or falling on your butt and snow skiing? All of those traumas, again, have a problem. And so what type of problems develop from the pelvis? You're talking sciatic nerve, pain when sitting, bowel and bladder control, sexual dysfunction, leg pain, foot pain, knee pain, uh, pregnancy issues. All of those things can, can um, be a symptom of it. But one of the things that, that is addressed incorrectly in a lot of times is people look at it as a muscle problem. And they'll look at like the tensor fascia lata. They'll say, oh, it's a TFL problem. And they'll massage and work that tissue. Or they'll say it's a glute problem. It's a chronic tight glute. No. Um, and they're talking about gluteus medius, which is the main hip stabilizer. And none of those things are accurate. What you want to do, if you have a chronic muscle spasm, you have to look at the controlling mechanism. What controls the muscles? It has to be the nervous system. And knowing that some of these muscles are controlled by your posture, your position in space, its um, postural muscles are huge, and those are the ones that run down either side. So when we're looking at this, and this is hugely important that you own this part, the structure is a great design. If there's a problem with the lumbar, or a problem with the feet, or a problem with the knees, all of those different problems are going to cause an unstable pelvis. And the pelvis is going to be a problem because the pelvis houses half of the parasympathetic nervous system. This is resting, digesting, and repairing. This is also why if there is a problem with the pelvis, you're talking sexual dysfunction, bowel dysfunction, bladder leakage, prostate issues. I mean, huge amount of problems. Difficult menstrual cycles, endometriosis. I mean, there's all these different circumstances associated with an unstable pelvis. Well, let me tell you, pelvises are perfect. They never break down. They're an amazing design. But if you sit, if you fell on it, if you had a trauma, also, if you had a disc injury in the low back, 
you've got an articulation between the lumbar and the pelvis, which is missed so much by so many doctors. And it's called the, the um, lumbosacral angle. And that angle, if there's a problem with a disc anywhere in the low back, and this could be a, a disc problem at the top of the lumbar, at the bottom of the lumbar, in the middle, um, it's going to cause the pelvis to move in an abnormal m motion. And that movement, if there's a pain or a challenge, then the, the muscles are going to tighten up. And gluteus medius is the main one. But also, when you look at it, there's a muscle called the piriformis. Now, the piriformis is the only muscle that crosses, but it crosses on the front part of the joint. No muscles cross that joint on the back half. So this one, there's, if the piriformis muscle is in a chronic state, a chronic spasm, you've got to look at don't blame the piriformis because there's so many people out there going, oh, it's a piriformis stretch. It's a, we'll work the TFL, we'll work the gluteus medius. And working those muscles feels good. The problem is it comes back because it's not from an overly tight muscle. Okay, so when you look at this, if you have chronic tensor fasciolata, chronic glute spasm, chronic piriformis, you've got to look at um, how the, the pelvis is working, but you have to check the lumbar for disc injuries. Now, if you see a bunion formation, <clears throat> bunions don't come from wearing um, funky shoes. Bunions are from weak intrinsic muscles of the, foo, so, um, of the foot. So if you see a bunion starting to form, and that's that big toe starting to lean towards the other toes, we know that there's a problem because that means that the nerves that supply the foot are compromised. And that means it's a pelvic injury or, lum or, injury or lumbar issue. So when you see this, think of it the parasympathetic nervous system, because you have an automatic nervous system. One part is sympathetic, one part's parasympathetic. The parasympathetic is rest, digest, and repair, and the sympathetic is fight or flight. Those two nervous systems are hugely important because that's how you live your life. The parasympathetic is also called the rest, digest, and repair. So now think of this. If you see bunion formation or beginning bunion formation, or that big toe is starting to lean towards the other one, know that they have a problem with the pelvis and lumbar. And since that's the parasympathetic, slow gastric motility or constipation, fatigue, sleep issues, low stomach acid. Low stomach acid will lead to skin issues, anxiety from low serotonin production, brain fog. Uh, they won't be able to stand or sit for a long time, sexual dysfunction. Um, when we look at bowel and bladder problems, incontinence, all of those could be from an unstable pelvis and um, a, a lumbar disc injury because you live your life through the nervous system. Hugely important. Now, when you look at the, because when we're looking at pelvises, even if there is a direct trauma, like this person was, you know, when they were a teenager, they fell off riding a horse, landed on their butt, fell snow skiing, were a skateboarder, anything, and they're 40, 50, 60 years old now, um, that trauma, if it was never addressed, they're going to have an altered biomechanic. And when you look at um, discs, discs are incredibly tough. You're talking 80 interconnecting rings of ligament. And you could pass a probe, which kind of looks like a pen, through a bone pretty easy. You can't beat it into a disc with a hammer. 
So disc injuries are very, very hard to um, get. And if you know how the body is, you have to look at disc motion because discs have a horrible blood supply. They get most of, the, most of their nutrients through imbibition. And imbibition is literally just a movement. So if you have incorrect movement, you have incorrect, um, incorrect uh, nutrients flowing into that disc. Incorrect nutrients means that that disc starts to lose disc height. And that start to lose disc height, then that means the muscles are tightening up to protect those nerves. And that's how you live your life. So here's this psychotic circle. You get a trauma. <clears throat> you get muscles that tighten up to, to protect those nerves. Um, eventually, the disc gets compressed, and then that's called um, arthritis or a mechanical problem. And you can see this on x-ray. And since it takes three to five years to see a bone change on x-ray, you can look at an x-ray and say, look, man, you had an injury 15, 20 years ago. You had an x-ray, an injury 30, 35 plus years ago. You can't um, do the maximum time, but you can do the minimum time that the injury was there. That means that if you see a movement, it could have been 20, 30 years ago, but they're only showing four or five years of degeneration. <clears throat> so arthritis and particularly osteoarthritis or degenerative disc disease or degenerative joint disease, is a mechanical problem. It's a non-inflammatory arthritis, and that's the most common. Now, what's a trip is, um, when you look at this, a lot of people will call it degenerative disc disease, even though it's not degenerative and it's not a disease. In fact, one of the most um, detailed books that we used to teach from the biomechanic um, book called Managing Low Back Pain by Kirkcaldy and Willis, <clears throat> they were testing joints of seniors and joints of young cadavers and old cadavers, putting them in compression, torsion, and it said that the bones of an elderly person function just as strong in torsion and compression as one from a younger cadaver. So as you age, you don't need to become more brittle. But what we need to look at is that your body is in a constant state of regeneration. So it's really correct movement and position that restores that nutrients to the disc. And yes, if you restore nutrients to the disc, the disc regenerates. The disc is living tissue. And this is one of the hardest things to explain to doctors because what's the primary therapy? If, if you have back pain or neck pain, they're going to give you a non anti-inflammatory which is a big challenge because that destroys the building block of cartilage. So now how are disc injuries identified? So we know that if there's pelvic function, you're talking difficult menstrual cycles, prostate issues, bowel and bladder dysfunction, endometriosis, all slow gastric motility, host of stuff. <clears throat> What's the primary therapy that doctors do? They'll give you a pill, a non anti-inflammatory drug. Now, this thing destroys joint cartilage, but do you really think it's pill deficiency syndrome? No. So what are they going to use? They're going to use an MRI. Now, the tough part, and we're talking um, Stephen Brownstein, MD, board-certified medical radio, um, radiologist. Uh, he literally wrote the, the foreword for the textbook, book, Essentials of Skeletal Radiology. Um, quote, 
significant more pathology is discovered through an MRI scan done with the patient in standing or neutral position or extension compared to conventional MRI in which the patient is recumbent. Um, so now, what that means is for a doctor to identify a disc injury, they typically use an MRI. The position that you're usually in in an MRI is laying down. So that's incorrect. <clears throat> From the Journal of Clinical Radiology, um, uh, supine magnetic resonance in um, MRI reg magnetic resonance imagery uh, is routinely used in the assessment of low back pain. However, findings often co correlate poorly with clinical findings. What that means in English is that when they're doing an MRI and your body is in a certain position, <clears throat> you got this magnet zipping around your body and it's facing all the hydrogen ions in one direction. And then the, the computer has to interpret those, that, that energy coming off your body or going through your body. And <clears throat> that inflammation can distort the image, but also body position can distort the image. Uh, this is why when you look at um, surgery, most surgeries, and we're talking, you're looking at over an 80% of failure rate within five years because they're working in the wrong place. And we're going to have a couple of pictures tonight on how MRIs are inaccurate, okay, in assessing disc injuries. So what's the best way to assess the lumbar? Well, I'm going to show you the, the methods that we use. I mean, there may be some others. And if anybody knows a better method to assess or correct a spine, I am totally open to it. But this is over decades of doing this, this is the best method I have ever seen. And, and we're talking, um, you can almost guarantee results based on the stress x-rays that you can correct a problem. I know, that's crazy. A doctor actually guaranteeing results. By God, your auto mechanic guarantees them, doesn't he? Okay, so, you know, why don't we, you know, up the ante and have doctors actually take responsibility for their work? I don't know. It's a thought. So first, you need to assess a disc injury. You've got to look at the entire body. Any doctor that is asking you where you hurt, okay, instead of understanding that 90% of the nerves that come off the spine, there is no pain fibers, so, in, in the way psychotic insurance is done and the psychotic um, healthcare system that we have, is they're only going to look at the site of injury. Now, think of this. Uh, if uh, patients will say, when should I bring my kids in? And I'll say, well, you could get them, in to ch get them checked to see if they're healthy now, or wait till they have a tremendous amount of symptoms, then drag their body in, and then we'll check them. And, you know, of course, the parents are going to be laughing and giggling. Well, because they understand that's foolish. You're not going to wait till a kid has trauma or damage. Same thing with the human body. You've got to look at the entire structure. 50% of low back injuries are coming from the neck. So if somebody comes in there with pelvic dysfunction, <clears throat> poor sleep patterns, a diagnosis of chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or inflammatory bowel disease or anxiety or stress and depression, you've got to look at the whole body because this person lives their life through the nervous system. And if they are in a stressed state, it's foolishness to try and address any symptoms without correcting the physical, chemical, or emotional stress. So how do you find it? Weight-bearing stress x-rays. 
This means you're standing up, you take a picture, and then you bend the person off to the side, you take another picture, then you bend them off to the other side and take another picture. And this way you can identify disc dysfunction because it's the position and movement that is the key. Now, we're going to show a couple of signs of um, pre and post x-rays to show disc regenerating. But you got to know, why is there such a controversy? Why do doctors not see the regeneration? Because they're prescribing non-steroidal anti-inflammatory and that destroys the building block of cartilage. We know that the other therapies, like injecting steroids, what does the Mayo Clinic say? Steroid injections don't work for everyone, and repeated steroid injections can weaken nearby bones and connective tissues. Yes, that's why they say you can only do two, three, or four, depending on the state that you're in, those steroid shots. If you do more of them, it damages the joints and cartilage. And when, when you look at, at the amount of surgeries done throughout the year, spinal surgeries have a 75 to 80% failure rate. And you might say, well, wait a second. What does that mean? Well, if you ask a spinal surgeon, spinal surgeons often quote a 98% success rate for fusion surgery. How do they get the 98% success rate for fusion surgery? Because they set the bar fairly low. If they knock you out and wake you up and you don't have brain damage, that was considered a success. So now if you factor in weird stuff like, I don't know, symptoms, pain, pain after the surgery, the success rate goes down. In fact, if you have a single level fusion, pain reduction happens between 40 and 80% of the time. Pain reduction at three different fusion levels, now it's 15%. So if you screw up 85% of the time, you probably should rethink your protocol. Just, just putting it out there. Okay. <laughs> but they are, again, they're working with false data, false information, and a false philosophy. They're not looking at why the disc was herniated or if that herniated disc is called altered mechanics or pelvic instability or all this other stuff that, that could be a contributing factor. That's why they even came up with failed back surgery syndrome. Now, when you look at this, the conservative approaches are going to recommend spinal decompression. <clears throat> the problem with spinal decompression is that there's usually a lateral component, which means that, that if you have a compressed disc, the spine isn't going to be beautifully curved, perfectly straight with a compressed disc. There's going to be a sideways bend or some type of lateral component. This is why most decompression units don't address the lateral buckling of the spine. And then if you've seen those, those inversion tables, they're fantastic, amazing, spectacular, but not for Americans. What, why would I say that? Because if you're hanging upside down, it actually helps with lymph flow. It does a lot of benefits. But it also increases the blood pressure in the brain. <clears throat> and with 60% of American adults having a chronic illness or injury, their blood is going to be thick and not healthy. With the majority of Americans taking medications, their blood is toxic and not healthy. And so if you want to invert somebody to increase the blood pressure in their brain when they have a toxic and unhealthy lifestyle, that's not the best choice. <laughs> 
Now, when you're, you're going to see a lot of people are going to recommend laying on your back with your legs up on, on a chair or your legs bent or putting a pillow underneath your legs. Do not do that. It will feel good. It's going to feel amazing. Okay? The problem is the curve in your back should curve in the front, kind of like the curve in your neck. It's called a lordotic. And if you um, lay in your back and lift your legs, that curve flattens out, but the hole where the nerve comes out in the back half of the vertebrae opens up. So you take all of the pressure off those nerves. That's why it feels amazing. The problem is a normal disc is narrow at the back, wide, wide at the front. When you lay down, the disc becomes wide at the back where the nerve is and narrow at the front. So you're literally reversing the discs. So do not do that. Okay, and what we're going to go over um, a couple of different cases tonight. But realize that if you have a dysfunction of the low back, of the pelvis, this is altering brain function, not just from the pain. And we know that pain will throw you into a fight or flight and cause your body to be in a stress state. And this can affect sleep. It can affect blood supply to the gut, which is going to affect anxiety and stress. But let's just talk about the movement aspect. Your brain has a number of different lobes. The frontal lobe is on, is for impulse control, anxiety, stress, depress, depression, schizophrenia, everything. That frontal lobe is controlled by the cerebellum, and that's where information coming up from the spine goes to. So any alteration in motion causes alteration and stimulation of that brain, and that causes alteration in function. So if you have a doctor and you go into them and you say, look, doc, I've been hurting for 10 years or five years or four years or six months, okay, and they give you a drug to cover up the symptom, uh, you fire that doctor. Fire that doctor because obviously he is not understanding that if you've had chronic pain, this is altering your brain function. It's altering how you adapt to the environment. Okay, does that make sense? Now, let's look at some of the exercises that you can do to stabilize the pelvis and get pressure off. Now, number one thing, sitting is actually toxic to the body. But there's some people like truckers, um, airline pilots, office workers that have to sit. And when you look at sitting, you're sitting on the ischial tube or the butt bone, and this causes the, the pelvic floor to be damaged. Now, why is that that hugely important? Um, because you're talking bowel and bladder control, prostate issues, and, and pelvic function. Um, also, when you look at, at sexual dysfunction of having an unstable pelvis, what other kind of things kill that? Where we're looking at contraceptives. Birth control pills can negatively affect the, the sex drive. Antihistamines, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, antidepressants, anxiety medications, blood pressure drugs, cholesterol drugs, antacid drugs, all of these things can negatively affect how your body, body works. <clears throat> also, pelvic insufficiency. Uh, you can see an abnormal bladder pattern. I figure the average adult's um, is going to pee about every three to four hours. Um, typically, it's zero to one time per night. You know, coffee, alcohol, soda, all those things um, will stimulate it, and you should be producing about um, one to two cups of urine, which makes sense. Uh, if you're getting a number of different 
um, urinary outputs or or um, that are more, and you're not <clears throat> excreting an appropriate volume, that is a sign that there's a problem. I, I mean, uh, you know, the more times I've seen um, these these seemingly young, healthy people saying, "Wow, now that I have my bowel and bladder control, I know it sounds insane, but they're using diapers." when they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s uh, because they've lost bowel and bladder control. Unless you've had your prostate removed or major surgery, you've got to look at that bowel and bladder control. And also, um, we're talking premature ejaculation, increase in sensitivity. All of these things are, are big signs that there is a problem. So the Kegel exercises, which is what most people will recommend, and that's when you tighten up the pelvic floor muscles and relax them. Tighten them up and relax them. And how do you recognize it? Like, imagine you're urinating, and to stop that urine flow, which I got to tell you is the best way to teach kids on how to how to pee. If you have uh, boy ch- children, when I was teaching my kids how to urinate or to, how to hold it when they're going from diapers to regular, I'd say, "Come on, buddy, let's go water the tree. Hold on to it so we can water the bushes." And but when you're when you're doing that, you're detract or um, contracting the pelvic floor muscles, which actually is a Kegel exercise. Now also we can turn sitting into therapy. Now if you've seen a liter bottle of water, and I mean the plastic ones or glass ones like from IKEA, we use a foam piece that's around four inch diameter, and if you're sitting up straight in a chair. The bottom of your elbows is where the bottom of this roll should go. So it's not at the lumbar. It's up slightly higher, okay, at the junction of the rib cage and low back. And this is hugely important because when you're sitting, you're flattening out the discs. When you're using this foam piece or water bottle behind you, you're creating a negative pressure on the front of the disc, and you're also repositioning your rib cage area. And now you keep it back there for 20 minutes, take it out for 10 minutes. 20 minutes in, 10 minutes out. 20 minutes in, 10 minutes out. And that pressure will cause the disc to start to move correctly. But also know that if you've had long-term low back pain, pelvic instability, um, you know, you're, you're a runner, jogger, tennis, tennis, whatever, your calves are probably going to be too tight. And that means that you'll, you won't be able to have a normal gait. So we give a block of wood, of a, just a hunk of 4x4, four four, which is around 3.5 inches high. You put your ball of your foot on that, the heel on the ground, and bend your knee. Now, a normal knee should go well over the toe. <clears throat> Most people won't. Also, another sign of pelvic insufficiency is swelling. Because you have a pump on the back of your leg, and the pump is called the soleus pump. That soleus pump um, every time you push your foot down to the floor like, a, like if it was on a gas pedal, that pump starts to pump blood back from the foot up into the venous system so you can start utilizing it again. So if you have problems with chronic low back pain, flattening of the foot, and swelling of the leg, all of that is tied in together. So gas pedaling the feet will be fantastic. The insane world that most of us are living in um, people will give a diuretic or a water pill to decrease the swelling. The problem with that diuretic is it causes damage to the kidneys. It will shrink swelling for sure, but it also lowers blood pressure and increases your risk of stroke. 
and nobody has leg swelling because they don't have enough diuretic. <clears throat> also, moving your pelvis, moving the lumbar, not only will this um, give information up to the brain, it stimulates bone growth, charges the brain, and that's why we love these um, trampolines, the, the mini trampolines. They're amazing. They're called rebounders. Oh, my God, one of the best exercises around. Uh, and also, look for normal things, things that make inflammation work, like blueberries, turmeric, green vegetable juice. So one way to assess and correct the pelvis and dysfunction, number one, you need a full spine x-ray, stress x-rays, with lateral lumbar flexion and cervical extension. You need to get the heart rate variability, measure autonomic nervous system function. You need to get a full body thermography so you can identify areas of stagnant lymph flow or potential pathologies. <clears throat> That's a good way to assess it. How do you correct it? You've got to find a corrective chiropractor, one that's going to take a post-x-ray to document the changes. You've got to change and reset your circadian rhythms or change your sleep patterns. Then what else do you got to do? You've got to get on a plant-based diet. That's a plant-based diet, mainly plants. Correct your nutritional deficiencies. That's going to be some supplements. Don't spend a lot on supplements, but you do need some. And also, you've got to reprogram the emotional component. And this could be neurolinguistic programming, emotional freedom technique, uh, eye movement, desensitization response. All of those things, are they'll all work. <clears throat> so realize that your body is self-healing, self-regulating, and that symptoms are there for a reason. If you pay attention to the cause of the symptom, not the symptom of the moment, then you're going to have success with your body and with your life. Uh, it's so important to go back to appreciating that your body is more, it's more energy than matter. You are designed to live on this planet. You do not need a mask or a vaccine to thrive on this planet. All you need is to pay attention to your body. This Dr. Bergman, your health advocate. God bless you, and I love you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.